The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the Visual Workplace this week, our radio show, our weekly radio show where we talk about all the different aspects of letting the workplace speak, letting the machine speak, the topic for today, putting our intelligence, embedding it into the operational landscape of work through visual devices, through visual mini systems and maxi systems, through visual information sharing. We solve our information deficits through devices that hold the information that used to be missing. But we have to find what information is missing. We have to attune our own intelligence, our own thinking to information deficits in the workplace. And we recognize that those missing, those missing pieces of information, the information deficits, is a big part of why we struggle at work, why we're unhappy at work, why we're irritated, why we make mistakes, why there are mix-ups, why there are accidents, because of missing information. Visuality, another way of saying the visual workplace, visuality is not just about sticking some signs up, putting up an LCD monitor that shares information, vital and cool as that may be. It is about finding the missing information below the surface so that we can have this rich conversation, this rich exchange with the workplace. We can have a relationship, a partnership with the physical workplace. It can become our partner in doing good work and in enjoying ourselves at work. We should and must expect that. We could have a little KPI, a new KPI. Let's try this out for the holidays. How happy are you? KPI, corporate level, we want to know. How smooth is your work? How much do you flow? Are you on the level of doing the dance of work? Or do things, missing information, get in your way? This is the nature of the visual workplace that I am talking about. It is something that is not only knowable, but keeps on sharing. It keeps on telling us what's missing and how we can have a more complete experience at work so that we look forward to going to work (laughs) just the same way as we look forward to going home. (laughs) It becomes a place we're drawn to. And one of the reasons that we're drawn to it is because we can bring our full intelligence there. 
And that's what this show is about. And we are, uh, we have taken a little break from our visual leadership series, which will resume in January, and we are taking a side trip into the visual machine. We'll continue that discussion today, the conversation about letting the workplace speak. I just have a couple of announcements. So, as you know, I'm going to be going to the UK at the end of January, the last two weeks in January, for visual leadership and also for visual machine. Visual machine up in Scotland at uh, the Grants Whiskey uh, site. I don't know, but I may be going to the Glenfiddich site. I don't know. I've never, uh, I don't know, I'm not a whiskey person, so I have no idea what this tastes like. I only know when I mention it to some of my other friends, they go, oh my goodness, Glenfiddich, <laughs> get some samples. It apparently is a very high quality uh, Scottish scotch. And uh, I will also, we're just about to schedule a work that makes sense, train the trainer in New England in February, just after I get back. And, ta-da, ta-da, the website is up. It went up last Thursday, just before the show. It's still up. <laughs> it's still working, and we're getting the bugs out. You know, we, we launched the rocket ship to the moon, and on the way, we make repairs. So, we're doing that now. But it's very good. We have... Uh, we will soon have eight of the 11 Work That Makes Sense modules up for you to both preview and also to purchase if you wish. If you wish, There'll be about 80 modules up when we finish the entire curriculum of the visual workplace. We'll do visual machine and the 10 doorways and visual information sharing and all of that. That will all be available to you. And we'll probably put up four or five modules a month until we're through that. This is the work that I've been developing over the last 32 years, and there's a lot of it. And believe me, it has been such a gift to me, and it gives me great pleasure to give the, ba- to give the gift back to you, you who have been my laboratory. Your struggles have been the, um, it's too far to say the nourishment, but the stimulation and the motivation for me to continue developing this wonderful field of workplace visuality. So the new website is up. We hope you like it. Uh, We have, in a few weeks, we will be launching our Visual Thinker membership on our website. We're very excited about this. There'll be three levels, one of them just right for you. The first one is to simply sign up. You'll get the newsletter, which I am sure you have noticed is pretty nifty. Our communications VP, Cindy Linden, puts it together. There's always lots of photographs, lots of visual examples, juicy tidbits about brain function. And I write a new article every week that also has pictures. So it's very, very nice. It's called The Visual Thinker. And all you have to do is go to our website, sign up, and you're on the list. You'll get it weekly. The second level has a cost to it. The second level of Visual Thinker membership on our website has a cost to it, but we think it's very affordable. It can be paid monthly, and there are lots of things included. The third level includes even more. It's for people and corporations who have a real investment in uh, having a more complete, more complete access. So, But we think all of it is very reachable. We want you to be able to reach out and take the visual workplace. We don't want to put up barriers, but we, we are getting kind of organized about things. And that also goes for our podcast archive. That's going to be treated a little differently. As always, 
our show will be available for listening and download for this week. But the radio archives will be put into a different kind of um, uh, section. We call them bundles. We'll have the shows grouped by various in various bundles, visual leadership bundle, the visual wear, 5S bundle, visual machine bundle. It's going to be a library of visual learning, but radio-based. The ear and the imagination is what we bring to these radio broadcasts. So we're shifting our podcast archive approach a little bit, and you can read about that in a, in a couple of weeks on, the, um, on our website, visualworkplace.com. And later, as our community of visual thinkers grow, we will open on visualworkplace.com the worldwide clearinghouse for visual solutions. <laughs> well, I have 72,000 examples, visual solutions in my database. I've been collecting them for three decades. We say I only have 35. I think that's because uh, it's too much of a stretch to people for people to imagine 72,000, but that's the truth of it. So we say we have 35,000, but we have many, many more. Plus, when we open this part of our um, website, we will be welcoming your examples. And together, we have a lot to share. It's going to take us well into next year to organize those for access and set up a structure where we can go back and forth on visual devices. But it will happen. And I'm very, very pleased and excited. So please stay tuned. I'm very grateful for the staff that is working um, to help to make this happen. This is a dream come true for me. And one other thing, we'll start a Visual Thinker Forum very soon where you can come and share and network with your fellow visual practitioners. And all of that is very exciting. This is really a dream of my lifetime and it's coming true. The web is such an incredible mechanism for reaching out and sharing and also, we hope for sharing back with us. This is We want to use the same paradigm of workplace visuality on our website. So I'll stop the excitement already and go on to the content of today's show. <laughs> Today, we're going to continue our conversation and our exploration of letting the machine speak, the visual machine. As I say, we'll resume visual leadership in January. Last week... On last week's show, we started the discussion on the visual machine, and we will conclude it next week. And last week, I set the foundation of my approach. And mine is a thinking approach about the machine. It is a system of thinking. It is kind of the opposite direction of merely sticking labels and signs onto the machine or a little bit of color coding. In order to let the machine speak, I have found, we have to first find the machine's voice. We have to find the voice also of the many people who use the machine, who use it, service it, who load and unload it, who worry about the machines, and I'm thinking about our accounting department and our plant manager. <laughs> we have to find these voices. We have to find their need to know and their need to share and turn that into levels of visual information sharing. I think of it as layers of visual information sharing stacked up like a visual layer cake, a layer cake. Some information is close to the surface, and we get that right away. That's the icing. 
and some of it is deep inside the cake, deep inside the machine. But all of it is yummy. All of it is nourishing and life-sustaining for the machine and for the company that the machine serves. And all of it is part of letting the machine speak. We listen for complaints. We listen for the complaints of the machine, but also the complaints of the people who are using the machine, worrying about the machine, the confusions, the mix-up. We're looking for the numbers related to the machine, the pacing, the rhythm, the performance, the performance of the operator, the performance of the maintainers, but also the maintenance department. We're giving the machine a voice. A, A true voice of a genuine partner in the production process. As I see it, equipment, the machine, represents a slightly different construct, a different form than the rest of the production floor. In the rest of the production floor or operations, information sharing is spread across time and space. But with a machine, we have it highly concentrated in a single location. That's why I think of it as a layer cake, layer upon layer. This is one of the reasons why the the traditional approach to information sharing, visual information sharing, is rather weak and pale and thin. Labels and signs just won't complete the job. They get stuck to the surface, but they don't actually interface interface with the performance either of the machine or the operator. So let's invite the machine to the party, layer cake, a layer cake of visual information sharing, and we'll pick this up when we come back from our first break. I'll see you in a moment. I'll be here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn and welcome to the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are discussing and discovering the visual machine. Just before the break, I was drawing a picture of a machine that was uh, speaking in many, many layers, like a layer cake, where there were many layers of visual information sharing and visual information in order to take care of the many needs of a fully functioning machine in a workplace that needed information from it, pulled from the machine. Think about, for example, think about the company machine the way we do our car. You know, about a decade ago, about 10 years ago, we we went out to one of our cars and we started to count the visual devices that were on it, that we could find, that would help us operate the car, maintain the car, repair the car. Three different voices, three sets of needs to know and need to share. Three chunks, devices for the driver, the operator, you and me, devices for you and me to maintain the car routinely, and devices for the repair people when the, when the car had a real problem. At that time, 10 years ago, we found 144 devices, 144. Machines are dangerous, but believe me, they are not as dangerous as any machine you will find in a workplace, in a company. And there were 144 devices. Think about that. If you go to your machine now and you've gone visual or you've done your TPM, your autonomous maintenance, count the number of devices that are there. I don't think you'll get anywhere near that number. If you do, please call me, tell me. I will hop on a plane and I will be out there if you will allow me next week. 144 devices for visual information sharing. So please think about that. This is where we're going. We underestimate the power of visuality because we are not aware that we experience it We experience it every day when we go out into the community. We are unaware of visuality in the workplace because in the community we take it for granted. This visual information sharing in the community is something we we respond to seamlessly. When we even walk down the street, go to the grocery store, cross the street, let alone drive a car on the highway and go someplace far away, all the thousands of visual devices that are there to guide us along our way so we can get exactly where we're going on time and safely. This is the paradigm, if you will, the conceptual framework for where we're going on the machine. Last week, I walked us through six principles. Uh, That is, last week I introduced the first two of six principles, and I'll introduce the rest in a moment. But I want to remind you where we started last week. When you start your journey to a visual machine, you need to have 
couple of things in place first. You do, step one, need to make the machine clean. While you're making the machine clean, you can also be thinking. You're cleaning the machine, taking the grease off so that things will stick to it. Your visual solutions will have surfaces that, will, that can take the stick. You're getting rid of the dust and grime and grease. But while you're doing it, don't disconnect from listening for the machine's voice listening for opportunities where information can be dropped or information can be found. Have your memo pad handy and just take notes, even while you're cleaning. Take a little break for two minutes, write down some things, go back to cleaning. Some other things occur to you, write them down. Because as you touch the machine, as you get to know it, it will start talking to you. You just need to tune your brain to it. And also, while you're cleaning, look for ways to reduce the need for cleaning, of course. Look, look for dirt prevention devices. Everyone will appreciate that. Little tuna fish can to catch the, the, the drop of grease that's going to spread on the floor. And then you put those little piggies on to uh, absorb the grease and on and on. Let's prevent dirt. So step one, you have to clean the machine. You don't have to restore it to its original condition. Of course not. You don't need to do that in order to begin visual. You just need to get a level of cleanliness so that you can both see the machine and have a chance to put visuality on it. And the second step, preliminary step we went over last week, is to get the names right. Develop a common set of names for the parts of the machine. And I described last week some simple ways to do that. You're standardizing the nomenclature is the fancy name for it. You're standardizing the nomenclature so you can name the parts of the machine in a common tongue, in a language that everyone will know exactly what part of the machine you're referring to. So do that. And now you can shift to visuality. When you reach this point, simple two preparatory steps, very simple, but it'll take you a couple of weeks to do it. It might take you even a month. When you reach this point, it's time to think about thinking. It's time to think about how to make the machine speak. This model is a thinking model. It is not a laundry list of visual devices that you paste into place and then you're done. You want to develop your thinking, a system of thought that will allow you to see the waste that sticks to a, that sticks to a machine even while it is running while it is running there's a certain kind of waste or lack of information sharing that that machine produces it ha- mostly has to do with status the status of the machine look for opportunities for Identifying the activities that attend to a machine. Look for the motion. We're going to use motion as a lever, just as we do in the rest of visuality. So I'm going to name six principles right now. We hit two of them last week. We'll hit the other ones, and then I'm going to give you an approach to the machine that I think you'll find helpful. I hope so. Here are, for me, the six core components of visual thinking related specifically to the machine. But I will warn you, they will sound very, very familiar. 
visual machine principle one. Visuality, the visual machine is an eye-driven process. Principle two, the visual machine is an eye-driven outcome. We talked of this last week. Let me go through the other, let me give you the full list of six so that we complete that and then I'll back up. Principle three, with the visual machine, use motion as the lever. Principle four, in the visual machine, understand that motion triggers information deficits. Principle five, the visual machine must tell us merely by looking. The visual machine must tell us merely by looking. And principle six, the visual machine must tell us the difference merely by looking. And it's us who's doing the looking. So we must be able to not just tell, but also tell the difference merely by looking at the machine. Those are the six principles. Last week, we focused on the visual machine is an eye-driven process. That's principle one. And principle two, the visual machine is an eye-driven outcome. The reason why I put this first is because this is the engine. This is the locus of the thinking. The thinking is in you. You must look as a process piece. You must look for your need to know and your need to share. If you are lucky, you'll be able to bring your maintenance staff with you. You, I'm speaking to you right now as as the operator. And get your maintainer to find time in his or her busy schedule to join you at the machine so that you can get that eye to speak as well. What do you, my friend maintainer, what do you need to know from this machine? What do you, my friend maintainer, need to share? Let me help you. I'm the operator and I will help you create visual devices Let's go to our memo pad, let's get our thinking straight, and then let's invent devices. Same thing with principle two. The visual machine is an eye-driven outcome. If we are using the process of eye-driven to get visual devices in place, then the outcome will represent that. And we will have a machine that speaks In many tongues, if you want to think of it in that way, with many voices and with a lot of detail. So you have to determine who is the I. One of them is you. If you are the operator, then you will recognize one of them is you. Another is maintenance. Another is your boss. Another is your boss's boss. Okay? So... Keep that in mind. If you keep the various, the array of eyes in mind, you will be able to go deeper and deeper in the machine. You will also develop visual displays, boards of information that shares information with these various voices or you could say stakeholders. What I want... uh, 
my effort here is to get you away from the idea of pasting solutions onto the machine because that has no future to it. It has no long life. It's just something you do, you get over with. What I'm looking for, as I have sought in all of my work with all levels of an organization, is for people to, for you, to develop a relationship with the physical workplace, to create a partnership, and for you to learn to listen. I have to do that as well. I walk into a new operational landscape and I have to be very quiet so that I can hear. This is similar to what Shigeo Shingo did when he sat down on a little chair in front of a machine for a year in order to hear the voice of the changeover, to hear the distinction between external and internal operations, which was the doorway, the explosion of understanding that was needed in order to revolutionize manufacturing through single-minute exchange of dye. This is a, a smaller form of that. If you don't have your thinking straight, if you don't have a paradigm of thinking, you will not be able to hear the voice of the machine or the voice of the maintainer or even your own voice, your need to know. We get caught in the momentum of work and it carries us. And we miss the, if you want to call it, we miss the smell of the daisies along the way. We don't smell the roses. The roses when you're at work is to have this beautiful relationship with your work because you have developed a relationship with it. Now, hopefully, your management system is also supporting that. Otherwise, it is difficult. I I agree. So, we'll pick up, uh, I want to walk you through a set of, uh, a list of eight visual targets as an operator when we come back from our uh, second break. So, I'll be waiting here and I'll have that list ready for you. We'll walk through it and we'll get to devices, specific devices. I have one more thing to say when we come back about kitchens. I really want to say this and then we'll get on to it. Thank you. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live. You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the Visual Workplace. We are in our third segment, and uh, I have a couple of more broad ideas to share, and then we'll get pretty specific. So, we're talking about these different voices and the need-to-know, need-to-share. We're talking the opposite of a kind of cookie-cutter, paste-the-device-on-the-machine approach. And the reason for this is that if you do it that way, you will run out of ideas as soon as you run out of cookies. You will run out of imagination because you've skipped the step of the imagination. If you copycat these visual devices, you will not trigger the imagination and therefore you'll run out. But don't get me wrong. Once you get the hang of visuality, once you decide that you want a visual machine, you or your boss, and maybe you are the boss, someone will require that certain visual standards are met. You will be required to name the machine. Yellow on moving parts. Hatch marks on vibrating parts. Color code the Zerk caps. Visually designate your incoming whip and your outgoing whip. All of these will be standards, and yes, they will help a great deal. And you don't need visual thinking for that because you're not thinking. You're copying, and so copy. Do that. But what I would prefer is for you to not start that way. If you start that way, and bosses, I'm talking to you, if you start by requiring visual standards instead of igniting a journey of discovery, people, your staff, the workforce will not be able to go any further than that because they lost the opportunity to think on a very preliminary elementary level. You cannot learn to see if you don't learn. And that means learning is when you don't know. So the journey of discovery, I want to really encourage you, even though you know where it's going, begin an experimentation of the visual machine in order to trigger the thinking. That's why we use motion as a lever. That's why we focus on the what do I need to know. I can predict you will need to know 
where your incoming whip is, where you need to load and where you need to unload and have those designated, even if you're at a small CNC. You will need to know that. I can predict it. But if I slap the standard to begin with, the thinking stops. The whole thing is pre-qualified, copying. You will never see what is not there because you think you already see exactly what is there. In visuality, we try to invert the eyesight. That's why we resist the the cookie cutters because we need to invert the eyesight so we can see what is not there. It's like pre-qualifying girlfriends and boyfriends. My boyfriend, my girlfriend are required to look like Ken and Barbie, depending on who you are, right? Doesn't look like Ken, I ain't interested. Anything else is not under consideration. My mind is made up. It looks like Ken. Otherwise, forget about it. Or think about, you know, these brand new houses with fully fitted shiny kitchens. I want a brand new kitchen. It needs to be brand new, state of the art, or else I am not only disappointed, I won't have it. But you go. You go visit Claude Monet's house in Giverny if you get a chance to ever go to Paris. Take a side trip 70 miles and go to Claude Monet, a great painter, his house in a little town called Giverny and tell me if his kitchen doesn't beat anything that is in our preloaded dreams. Nothing in that kitchen is new. Nothing is shiny. And it is fantastic, a wowzer. Where did that come from? It came from Monet's requirements for beauty, his understanding of what a kitchen was for, his incredible aesthetic and incredible sense of beauty, color, balance, and pleasure. Hmm? It came from his eye, from his particular internal vision, this thing that powered him to create paintings that stop your breath and he brought it to his kitchen how are you not like Claude Monet when you're facing a machine how do you make not how do you make the machine speak and how do you make it sing I really what I'm saying to you is that the workplace is where we spend so much of our time it can and must be a place of self-expression Otherwise, it is a place where we go to die, where we just put in our hours and part of us dies. We keep the living part of us out in the car, in the parking lot with the window cracked so we can get some air and be there when we punch out. And this is for leadership as well. Executives don't ever think that I'm talking only about operators. I'm talking about us, all of us. So you respect the machine, you appreciate, you value it, and that deep respect means, well, we are respecting ourselves, but we also start to make the machine visual from our mental model. And we discover things about the machine, we discover its voice that remains hidden if we see it as less than that. We have to see the machine as a partner in order for us to find its voice. So, let me go through another list, 
It's a list of eight. So you walk away with something very concrete today. We have the principles in our mind. These are principles and these principles guide us. The principles I mentioned a moment ago. Visuality is an eye-driven outcome. It's driven by the need to know, need to share. It is an eye-driven process. Motion is our lever. Motion is triggered by information deficits. Therefore, find them, the information deficits, so that we can tell merely by looking and we can tell the difference merely by looking. Those are six principles. Let's add to them a list of eight informational targets. This is for the operator right now. What the operator focuses on and develops visual devices so that the machine will speak to his or her needs and worries and outcomes. Visual information sharing about, and now I'm going to give you a list of eight, about keeping me and my machine safe. That's Number one, visual information, uh, let me say it this way, information target about, visual information sharing about running my machine, about having the right materials in the right quantity. That's number three. Number four, visual information sharing targets about making good product. Number four. Number five, visual information sharing informational targets about making adjustments, which will turn into actually reducing adjustments. And closely connected to that, number six, about changing over my machine. And number seven, about keeping my machine lubricated. And I will insert a word, properly lubricated. We'll talk about that next week. Talk about lubrication, visual lubrication next week. Visual information sharing, informational targets about repairing my machine, minor repairs, and maintaining my machine. I'm sorry, that that's nine. I said eight, but there's nine. Those nine focuses... So that we're not just pasting cookie cutter stuff there, but we are talking about the interface between my function as an operator and the machine's function and finding visual devices to do that. Let me take you through some examples. This will be interesting. I'm going to start describing some devices, but for those of you who are machine-based, I think that it will be easy for you to imagine what I'm saying. So about keeping my informational targets, visual targets, visual information sharing about keeping me and my machines safe. Yes, there will be an emergency spill response procedure on the wall to tell you what to do, exactly what to do and tell anybody else If there's an emergency spill, cover any drains or exits, get help, identify what you, what you saw, look for industries, I'm sorry, look for injuries, identify hazards, contain the spill, seal the area, alert others, clean up the spill. Very, very simple. 
but it's there. This is what I do in a moment of panic. Keep me and my machine safe related to lockout. There's almost nothing you can do to help a human not see, um, let's see, absolutely see, I should say, absolutely see lockout. There's a whole industry around outsmarting the humans so that the lockout happens. And too often, somebody loses a finger or worse because they circumnavigated the lockout procedure. I mean, we really get to know the ingenuity of humans and all the ways that we manage to avoid the absolute guaranteed lockout procedure and still get ourselves hurt. But visuality helps. We can secure safety by watching our own behavior and we can make it visual. So we look at that. We use shields. We use see-through plastic. I mentioned Brenda the other day. She made a wonderful plastic shield because her coolant was all over the place, spraying out of the machine, getting on the floor. It was very slippery. She got a chunk of plexiglass. She drilled a couple of holes in it to put a handle, and she puts the the shield in place. She can still see the running of the machine. This is, I'm looking at it right now. It's about four and a half feet long. It's a whole span of the face of the machine. This is a grinding machine. Spits out, uh, spits out a lot of coolant. You use the shields. You put your uh, chip guards in place. These are all visual devices. You keep me safe by making it impossible for me to take the shortcut between the I-beam and the machine when the traveler is going to hit me or someone else. You prevent that visually. You put up a stanchion, you put borders on the floor, red hatch marks, you put a barrier, you prevent me. You keep me safe. Keep me safe, please. Keep my machine my friend. So that's one category. Running the machine. This has to do a great deal about your gauges. Being able to see your gauges. And you know, if you have a lot of gauges, I'm now looking right now at a machine that just on one corner of one side has seven different gauges. You do want to make them visual by using the red, the yellow, and the green to mark what is the range, the acceptable range, what is the dangerous range, and what is the completely unacceptable range. You want to do that. But also, may I suggest that you simply number your gauges so you can refer to them. And this has to do with standardizing the naming, the nomenclature. Number them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the gauge has an identity. And if for some reason the gauge is out of sight, use a mirror. Use a mirror. Situate a mirror with a bolt and a a, a bracket so that you can see the face of the gauge without climbing on a ladder. Why the machine was designed in this way is a question we should never even answer because there is no answer. Why would you create a design, uh, uh, a gauge that stares up at the ceiling? That's the one I'm looking at right now. But I'm also looking at a really cool mirror 
that has the number four on it because it is the number four gauge and that mirror allows me to see from a standing position the reading of the gauge. So your gauges are very important. And the other aspect of your gauges related to being able to run your machine properly is your calibration of your gauges. There are lots of systems for this. One of my favorite is that the machines are color-coded to month. They're color-coded to month. And when that color comes up for that month, it's time to recalibrate. January is gray, February pink, March is green, April purple, May is, oh, what could I call that, a kind of teal. June is yellow. And when it's June, there's a great big placard of yellow saying, time to calibrate, this is the recall color. Current calibration recall color. Due for calibration now, a yellow. It means June. It means June. So these systems are going to be put into place. And you can do many systems for yourself and then they can turn into visual best practices as your management sees your very good thinking. Color-coded gauges to product. If you have a limited ga- uh, range of models, color-coded gauges will help you. Okay, status of the machine. Just set up a three-ring binder. And on each page of those binders, of that binder, you have a flip binder. You set it so that the, the uh, three-ring is setting up and you have a little tent. And then these pages say orange, big orange, taking up the whole page. Downtime due to ma- machine failure. That's why I'm down right now. Flip the page, downtime due to materials. Flip the page, downtime due to setup. And you just have this situated at the top of your cell. And you do have to determine what is the entrance of your cell. And there it is. People can walk by. This is your need to share my status. Blue, downtime, down due to training. And absolutely have another page beautiful green that says goal attained production made cell closed you can do this these kind of flippy things they're very inexpensive and they're just such great information sharing your production status do it with flags or do it with a flip of green everything going good the other side is red or if you have an aisle so that uh, uh, something like this is seen on both sides and both sides are green and then you just substitute it with both sides are red of something else. This is status, okay? Do you see where I'm going on this? So that's running my machine, which includes status. Having the right materials, this is number three. Having the right materials, please identify in and out. You have to do this. What is the incoming of my area, of my cell, of my machine, and what is the outgoing. So you're going to be using the visual wear quite a bit related to material and quantity and your min-max levels for consumables. By the way, making good product, another gauging device that I like very, very much, and it's very simple, 
is a, a shelf that you will weld or uh, screw onto your machine that separates dull tools from fresh tools. Just put them there in the face on one of the faces of the machine. You'll have dull tools on one side, probably in red. You can just put um, drill holes for your tools to set in and fresh tools. And this is particularly uh, the case when uh, there's a, a calibration uh, system set up where maintenance comes by and they routinely pick up your dull tools and then they return them. And your job is simply, when the tool is dull, to put them into this place. I remember at Waramole, they used to recalibrate their tools after every run. They would not wait time, wait for a certain amount of time to do their recalibration. It would just be after every run. The tool was never used twice. And they set up a fantastic, it was about a 20 by 15, uh, looked like a supermarket, conveyor belts where you would, the tool would be set. It would go down the conveyor, be repaired, and then it would be gravity-fed in the opposite direction and ready to be picked up again and stored or used. All of this is gorgeous. Let's move on to, we were just talking about um, the right materials. We actually move through making good products. I gave you a couple of ideas on that. Number five, making adjustments. And here's the principle of making adjustments. Adjustments are the root of all evil. That's the rule. Adjustments are the root of all evil. You want to eliminate them 100%. This is a principle of Pokioke as well. You want to turn your adjustments into settings. One way to do that is to make match marks on anything that vibrates. You have nuts and bolts. They're going to vibrate out of place. You put the match mark in place. You put a mark on the machine itself that is stable and on the nut or the bolt, which is movable, which responds to the match mark. This is easy peasy. You do the same thing for any kind of an adjustment. We did a project up at uh, a post office in Minneapolis, a huge processing, huge processing um, arena center for mail. And everything vibrated and everything needed to be calibrated into adjustment into a particular um, attribute. And there were match marks everywhere. You could see at a glance, as soon as the match mark didn't match anymore, and as soon as as soon as the marks didn't match anymore, you knew that you needed to find the setting again. So what we're doing, even though I'm into devices now, let us not forget what the process is. The process is that you're listening, you're watching, you're using your senses to understand and appreciate and value the machine. You're finding its voice. You're finding it where... You're finding where it kind of moves out of focus, where your tools need a little help, where the uh, adjustments shift a little bit, and you're putting visuality in place so you can spot it. The information is preset, it's visual, and you can do something right there, right then, to get things on the, on, back on the right track. Regrettably, we have come to the end of our show. There were some other things that I wanted to share with you today, 
but look at all of that. I'm going to have to wait. So we'll pick this up next week. I had a wonderful time with you today. I am so glad you're out there listening because if you weren't, I couldn't be talking and sharing this great gift that I've been given with you. Thank you very much. Uh, This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.